Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation at Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Monday, January 24th, 2022. Our catechesis um, is now, we're going to jump to Isaiah for a moment. Uh, you heard Isaiah Mighty Seer, Luther's hymn on the Sanctus, the song of the seraphim from the heavenly throne, um, which we'll hear today as our catechetical reading picks up right where we left off with uh, who Uzziah was, and we see Uzziah leading to Isaiah the prophet. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. All right. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. We say our memory verse for this week. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. James 5, verse 16. Our psalm this week is Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore my spirit faints within me, my heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord, I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life and your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love you will cut off my enemies, and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul, for I am your servant. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, we'll talk more about the psalm later this week. Our first reading today is the conclusion of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Tomorrow we'll move on to 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections, be no collections when I come. And when I come, 
Whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. Now, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord, as I do also, or I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Now, concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be strong, brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that, is, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such, to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord and with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. A salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May love, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, not probably a lot to say here, although there's so many um, delightful um, historic notes here that help place the book of Corinthians in the um, you know, various missionary journeys of Paul and where he, where he uh, belongs and what's going on and where is he going and where he's coming to. Um, and also some of the characters that are involved, especially Apollos, which we talked about when we studied the book of Hebrews. And I talked about perhaps what's going on with Apollos. Um, and also Timothy, who we know the books, uh, those letters written specifically to Timothy. Of course, the book of Ephesians. So we have Ephesus. Um, so it, it puts this book in context with um, the other letters that we have uh, written. All right, very good. Now our reading for catechesis uh, is really picking up where we left off in 2 Corinthians 26 last week, now with Isaiah chapter 6. So it's going to put this prophetic vision in the context of the history of the kings. Okay. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell his, this people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be in it, and will return and be for consuming, as a terebinth tree, or as an oak, whose stump remains when it is cut down, so the holy seed shall be its stump. All right. So, Isaiah's vision of the heavenly throne room, also his ordination, right? Um, now, who was Uzziah, king? That's the king of Judah, right? So now we're going to have Isaiah's prophetic word against the house of Judah, against the kingdom of Judah. Remember, Israel at this point has already been taken into captivity and been resettled uh, by the Assyrians, or rather by people whom the Assyrians had sent. Uh, Uzziah was Judah's 10th king um, and had ruled for quite a while, 52 years. We talked about that last week, uh, Thursday. Uh, But, of course, was he a good king or a bad king? Again, go back and watch or listen to last week Thursday's daily prayer. Uh, He began as a good king in his early years. Then, of course, his preacher died, and uh, he became full of himself, a proud and boastful king, and was unfaithful in his later years. All right. So Isaiah has his vision um, in the year that Uzziah died, right? The king. So that kind of places us, I think, about what, 582, something like that, somewhere in there. Uh, when, or what did Isaiah see in particular? Yeah, he has a vision of the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up in the train of his robe, filling the temple. Impressive, right? Um, I had the image from Eyes of Life, or excuse me, Eyes, I think it's called Eyes of Life. It's, um, it's actually a Baptist who does the art, but beautiful art. You see that there? Um, really, I think, captures the incredibleness of the vision. You have the six wings of the cher- of the seraphim. Um, you have the Lord and his glory filling the temple and his robe. And then you have Isaiah, the little, wee little man at the bottom <laughs> in the darkness. Yeah, really captures it, doesn't he? All right, so, um, yes, the Lord on his throne, high and lifted up, the train of the robe filling the temple. I've described the seraphim. This particular um, angel or heavenly being, I guess, is what we would say. They don't really... Oh, he does have a message, so I guess we could call him directly an angel. They have six wings, right? Two wings cover their faces, right? Two cover their feet, and with two they flew. They flew. And of course, they were singing the Sanctus. Holy, holy, right? Yeah. Holy is the Lord of, of Sabaoth. Heaven and earth are full of his glory, right? The whole earth is full of his glory. Why three holies? Mm-hmm. Not too hard to imagine. 
God the Father, Son, and Spirit, right? The Blessed Trinity. All right. Um, what happened at the sound of their voices? Yeah, the doorposts and the thresholds were shaken and the temple was filled with smoke. <laughs> How would you respond to that? In the same way as Isaiah, right? He said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips, right? And why is he afraid? Is it the, is it the fire and the smoke and the, and the seraphim and the Lord upon his throne? Specifically, he says, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then we have one of the seraphs do something interesting here, right? Yeah, he touches Isaiah's lips with a hot burning coal, a live coal, which he had taken from the altar. And what's the promise attached to the coal, right? This is not a uh, institution that we should replicate, but, but what's the promise from, from God by way of the seraph attached to the coal? See it highlighted there in the screen? That Isaiah's iniquity is taken away. His sin is forgiven, right? All right, we'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, well, maybe not. <laughs> uh, Pentecost has the same thing happen. Um, I think the artwork is a little confusing, but you have um, the fire, the mighty, mighty rushing wind, and the fire comes upon the apostles if you like the burning coal, um, it's burning tongues of fire. So I love, there's not very many of these, but there's some artwork where the fire comes out of their mouth, right? So it touches their lips and then they're able to confess Jesus as Lord in the languages of the people around them, right? So it's, you're going to see a lot of parallels to the, to Pentecost, to this vision. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit touches our lips, uh, but he does the same thing, not just at Pentecost, but he does it for you, Christians, as he touches your lips with his body and blood, which do the same thing, makes you clean, uh, clean. Your iniquity is taken away, your sin is purged. Given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Um, why do you think this vision occurred before Isaiah was sent? Before his sending, his uh, being made an apostle, really a prophet here. Yeah, he was to speak the word of the Lord with his lips so that the people would hear the Lord's voice, all right? Um, so he's being set apart by God by way of this burning coal, by way of a word of promise, right, to speak um, in the stead and by the command of God. That sounds similar, doesn't it? Or sounds uh, uh, familiar to you, doesn't it? Yeah, this is much like the office of the holy ministry, which Christ instituted um, before he ascended into heaven, right? Go and make disciples by baptizing and teaching. Um, here, Isaiah's message is a little bit different, isn't it? Um, he's going to preach judgment. Why would he preach such judgment upon them? As even until the cities are laid waste without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, etc. Why? For repentance, for repentance, right? Um, this is... Um, why God permits evil in this world, right? He doesn't give evil, but he permits evil for the sake of repentance, that we turn away from evil, away from our own sin and our own complicit, complicity in that evil and believe again in him and look, um, look to him for everything needed for faith and life. Um, you can go and listen to yesterday's sermon for more on that. 
right? Who else has this message to preach repentance, even though God tells them they're not going to listen? Uh, we'll hear this next Sunday with Jonah, um, whereas it's actually not the people who won't listen, but it's Jonah, the prophet, who won't listen. Um, so very similar there, but especially both Jesus and St. Paul um, have this message. All right, so for example, here's from uh, John chapter 12. Listen to this. Uh, where should we go? Yeah, about here. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, Jesus, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Huh? See? Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Right? So we have um, Jesus um, being a prophet like Isaiah, right? Who preaches the truth, calls men to repentance, and yet they will not believe in him. Um, so there you go. And uh, St. John explicitly quotes this text uh, to demonstrate that. Um, but also you, you see this with Paul, right? So, for example, in uh, Acts 28, this text comes up again. So they appointed, this is the end of Acts, so they had appointed him a day, uh, and many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning until evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears have are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when they had said these words, the Jews departed um, and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. That's a lovely section, right? Because we have Paul doing the same thing as Jesus uh, on the road to Emmaus, which we talked about in Bible study yesterday from Luke 24, um, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the Law of Moses and the Prophets. We'll talk about that the next couple weeks in Bible study. Um, but also then uh, recognizing that it is not given um, to Paul any more than it was to Isaiah um, to do anything but to speak God's Word and let, if you like, the chips fall where they may, or rather the Spirit work faith when and where he wills. Um, that's a hard word to hear, especially as a pastor, because you'd like to believe that the word that you speak is powerful. Well, it is. And that it does what it says. Well, it does. Um, but that all hearts will believe as a result. Um, it's kind of the prayer of the pastor before he preaches. That's mine, certainly. Um, that that everything that I would say would be pleasing to to God and that it would be in, speak, spoken in truth and in love. Um, but that the hearts of, of the people would be converted and that they believe again. Um, but unfortunately, 
no matter how eloquent and how well it has spoken, and even as truthful as it's spoken, uh, or as complete or um, brilliantly as Christ is revealed, conversion is a work of the Spirit, and He works when and where He wills, like a Luther says, like a passing rain shower, or scriptures testify as a wind that blows to and fro. fro. Yeah. So um, that is part of the nature of the office of the Holy Ministry, just as it was for Isaiah, and so it was for Paul and for Jesus himself, that the word that he would speak would be rejected because of impenitence. But as much as the people will not hear, notice, even in the preaching of the law, what is always present Look at verse 13. God maintains a remnant, right? Yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down. So the holy seed shall be in its stump. That's the gospel, right? The promise of the holy seed, the offspring, right? By offspring, Paul reminds us, means singular, Jesus Christ, who would, who would be kept even when Judah was reduced to a stump as it's sent into exile. God would still preserve um, the house of David for the sake of the promise made and fulfilled in Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, what a vision, right? Um, and of course, we sing this and we pray this at uh, in the service of the sacrament, right? Sanctus. The vision of Isaiah is one of the most important parts of the liturgy. The word sanctus means holy. We sing the threefold holy to praise the blessed Trinity and to confess that we have been brought into the presence of the living God. Like the coal from the altar placed upon the lips of Isaiah, the Lord places his own body and blood upon our lips to cleanse us. The altar marks the presence of the Holy One of Israel, and we fall to our knees before the Holy One who lies upon the altar as he once lay in the manger. The Sanctus is joined to the cry, Hosanna, save now! to confess the need of the people of unclean lips. Yet, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, for our Lord comes riding into our presence upon the lowly elements of bread and wine to forgive us our sins and to restore us to life. Rather than dying in the presence of the Holy One, we are raised up to life and sent out into the world until we return once more to celebrate his triumph over death in the divine service. All right, so it is fitting for us to have that as part of our liturgy. Week after week. All right. Speaking of being uh, dead and being raised to life again, let's confess what does such baptizing with water indicate. It indicates that the old Adam and us should, by daily contrition and repentance, be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We pray. Heavenly Father, through your word and spirit, you call us to daily contrition and repentance for our sin, that the old Adam in us might be drowned and die with all his sins and evil desires. Work true repentance in our hearts every day. Teach us to confess our sins and to flee to Christ for our life and salvation. By your word of forgiveness, raise up the new man of faith in us, that we might live before you in righteousness and purity forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray the collect for this week. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look upon our infirmities and stretch forth the hand of your majesty 
to heal and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray this day in Thanksgiving with Clarence, Victoria, and uh, Kristen, who all celebrate their birthday, with Leah, who celebrates her baptism, with our households, especially this week with Aaron, Ruth, Kevin, and Kim, Eric, Jennifer, and Dolores. We give thanks to God for the, the completion of our NLSA study document, uh, the work of many, many months, which will be submitted today. We also uh, pray for those ill, receiving treatment and recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Colin, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Jim and Elaine, and Mike. Pray for all our homebound, especially Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially kindred heart families, our mission of the month. We pray in intercession for um, the pastors, all of our pastors and the hearers of God's word. For all this, let us thank the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Uh, today is the commemoration of St. Timothy, pastor and confessor. Mentioned uh, in our first reading, right? St. Timothy had Christian believers in his family. His mother Eunice was a Christian woman and was the daughter of a Christian woman named Lois, 2 Timothy 1. Acts records that St. Paul met Timothy on his second missionary journey and wanted Timothy to continue on with him. Acts 16. Over time, Timothy became a dear friend and close associate of Paul, to whom Paul entrusted mission work in Greece and Asia Minor. Timothy was also with Paul in Rome. According to tradition, after Paul's death, Timothy went to Ephesus, where he served as bishop and was martyred around AD 97. Timothy is best remembered as a faithful companion of Paul, one who rendered great service among the Gentile churches. We pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you have always given to your church on earth faithful shepherds, such as Timothy, to guide and feed your flock. Make all pastors diligent to preach your holy word and administer your means of grace, and grant your people wisdom to follow in the way that leads to life eternal. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, uh, we sang the first half of this hymn, or the first uh, five stanzas before the break, and now we can sing the conclusion uh, this week. And I think it ties in well with 
all the themes we're talking about this week uh, and, uh, of course, spoke about yesterday in divine service. So here we go. been a joy to have you with us here today. I see many of you uh, have decided to come and join us again. I know we had such internet issues, it probably uh, might have deterred some folks from trying to join us live. Apologies for that. Um, I've kind of resolved myself to a particular solution. Uh, we can stream live on our normal internet connection Sunday morning and Wednesday evening because there's nothing else happening on campus. Um, I think the other internet usage on, our, on the tower is fine. So 
it, it streams well enough. Uh, but for us here daily, especially with children um, and other people on campus using our minimal connection, um, using a Wi-Fi, a cellular hotspot seems to be the trick. It does still, you know, go all over the map, um, but it doesn't, I think, get so blocky that you can't see me. So <laughs> that's the key, isn't it? All right, so glad to have you with us. You can join us each morning at 9 a.m. Um, today on the feast day of St. Timothy. Uh, tomorrow is the feast of the conversion of St. Paul, and Wednesday is the feast of St. Titus. So we could have divine service three times, additional times this week. That's not our tradition at this point, but God willing, someday, um, you know, we'll find a, a joy to gather together and celebrate the feasts um, that are given to us in the history of our church uh, as an occasion to gather for divine service. But regardless, um, you're here for for prayer each day, and that's a blessing as well. Uh, this is really, by the way, uh, to the question that was asked in Bible study yesterday. Some of you were there in person, others maybe watched it live or, or streaming uh, later in the day. Uh, the question as to how to best prepare for the divine service, to prepare to hear, uh, in particular, the Old Testament reading. One of the best ways is to do what we're doing right now, which is literally just to read through the scriptures, to familiarize ourselves with them, um, to see, you know, all you know, look for details, look at historic context, um, but especially to see how they confess or lead us to faith in Christ or help help us in our faith. All right. So uh, this is really the best way. The second best way, of course, is to gather on Saturday morning when we actually read through the Old Testament and epistle reading for Sunday um, so that when you hear them on Sunday morning, you're well prepared for them. Uh, but of course, you can just do it on your own. Um, so the Old Testament epistle gospel readings are uh, printed in on the back of the Congregation of Prayer each Sunday um, for the following Sunday. So you can go and uh, look at those, look at, look at the hymns that are coming up, acquaint yourself with them, you know, just do a simple duck, duck, do, duck, duck, go search, all right? And look for videos or texts or meditations on those things. Um, there's plenty of ways that you can prepare uh, to better hear God's word on Sunday morning um, and uh, try to provide some of those hand-holded, you know, guided tours here, if you like. Um, but you can, of course, do it on your own as well. And that's why all that's available to you in print as well. All right. So um, how best to prepare to hear that Old Testament reading? Well, those are some of your options. Uh, but of course, as uh, some people remarked to me later, you know what? Um, just jump in and uh, we, we pay attention and uh, we get, you know, we familiarize ourselves with it um, just by hearing it. All right. So keep, keep at it. You know, I hope you can tune in each day however you uh, do, whether it's via the podcast, video video stream, or you're uh, one of those that call in and listen to it later in the day, uh, keep at it, and the Lord will bless you by his word. All right? So good to have you. We'll see you again tomorrow morning, 9 a.m.